Welcome to the Equipus Church Surrey podcast. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. All right, are you ready for the Word? Are you ready for the Word? Here we go. I want to read to you this morning from 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 says this, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and listen to this, and will restore their land. Everyone say, restore their land. And my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Isn't that pretty awesome? Uh, A great scripture from the Old Testament where God comes and fills the temple that Solomon has just built. But what I love about this prayer, it is as relevant for us today as it was thousands of years ago. I want you to notice who it's addressed to, my people who are called by my name. Now, just give me a wave this morning if you say, that's me. I am one of God's people. Thank you so much. And you say, I am called by His name. Well, if that's you this morning, this prayer uh, uh, is, is this promise, I should say, uh, is for you and it's for me in 2023. If we'll come to God and if we'll do these four things that He asks, then He promises to do three things in return. Now, before I get into it this morning, I, I do just wanna say this, that um, it's important to understand that the way we will change the world and the world does need change for the better is through prayer. Prayer is how we'll change the world. Prayer is how I'll change my life. Prayer is how I'll change the atmosphere over my family. Prayer is how I'll change or we can change the atmosphere over our church. And the way that we change the atmosphere of a nation is not simply through the power of positivity or the power of positive confession, but by coming into agreement with the owner of the earth and saying, God, Your will be done, amen? how we're going to change the world. And when we pray, we step into the seat of authority that God has given us. There's a seat of authority, which is the place of prayer. And when we're sat in it, operating in it, we have great authority. Many of us don't realise the authority we have. Um, You see, it's like this. God is the owner of the earth. How many of you know that's true? He's the owner, God owns it all, no doubt about it. He, he owns every nation in the world. He owns the resources of the world. Uh, he owns the car that you drove in here this morning. He owns the house that you live in. He owns the food that you ate, He owns it all. It is all belongs to Him. However, however, He has made you and I stewards of the earth. He is the owner, but we are stewards. So it's, it's a little bit like this. Um, I don't know about you, but I have a car that's a lease car. And what that really means is I don't own the car. I just get to drive it for a few years. I'm not the owner uh, on the documents. I don't think it even has my name. It has the name of the lease company that owned the car and I pay them a bit of money and I get to drive it for a few years. And after a while, they'll ask for the car back. It doesn't belong to me. I'm not the owner. I just, I'm stewarding it for a few years. But how many of you know, in the time that I am the steward of the car, what happens to it is down to me. 
So if I crash the car, it's not the owner's fault, it's the steward's fault. If I speed in the car, which of course I would never do, I'm not the, it's not the owner's fault, that was a little tiny little naughty lie. I should take that back. I, I, I have done that. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get better. And, but it's, it's not their fault, it's my fault. If I run a red light, it's not the owner's fault, it's the steward's fault. Are you with me? And when it comes to the earth, God is the owner, but He has given stewardship of the earth to you and me. That's amazing. What a responsibility. What a responsibility that we get to steward this amazing thing called the earth until Jesus decides to come and return, which is gonna happen. And in that time, God is looking to see how we're stewarding it. Now, here's the really cool thing about it is is although God is the owner and we're the steward, when we come to Him in prayer and we come in agreement with the will of God on the earth, God says at that moment, okay, I'll get involved in what happens on the earth because you're in agreement with my will. In other words, God is looking for a bunch of believers who would seek Him and find His will for the earth and then bring it back to Him in prayer, at which point God would say, praise God, I finally find some people of faith who know what I wanna do and now I can get to work in the earth. Are you hearing me, church? God can't do anything without you and I giving Him the authority to do it through prayer. That's why when we don't pray, the world gets worse. How many of you remember that story in the Old Testament? Great battle going on on the field and there on the top of the mountain is the man of God with his hands held high and when his hands were up signifying prayer to God, the battle went well. But when the hands fell down, the battle started to turn the other way. It is exactly the same with prayer. When you and I rise to the place of authority in prayer and come into agreement with God's will, God starts to get involved. But when we stop praying, guess what? God retreats and says, you're the steward. I'm just the owner. And I need you to come in and invite me to come and be involved in your life and be involved in your world. Is this making sense? So prayer is not only important, prayer is part of your assignment while you're here. It's part of our assignment. I'm called to be a pastor, but I'm called to be a prayer warrior. You might be called to be a doctor, but you're also called to be a prayer warrior. You might be called to be a businessman or a businesswoman, but you're called to be a prayer warrior. Are you with me? You might be called to be a graphic designer. You might be called to the NHS. I don't know where you're called to, but you also are called to be a prayer warrior. And don't think to yourself, well, that's not me. Yes, it is. Every one of us can learn how to pray and step into a place of authority where we change the world. Can I get an amen? Politicians think they have the power. Kings think they have the power. Prime ministers think they have the power. Do you know who really has the power? God's praying people. We can see the atmosphere of a nation change when we pray. We can see the atmosphere of our work change when we pray. We can see the atmosphere of our homes change when we pray, amen? And so the next 21 days, we are gonna be intensely focusing on prayer. So here's this cool Amazing promise from the Old Testament. If my people who are called by my name 
would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then, then, then God says, there's three amazing things I'm gonna do. I, I wanna talk about the requirements, but I also wanna talk about what God wants to do. Number one, are you ready? God says, first of all, if you'll do those four things, number one, I'll hear your prayers. I'll hear your prayers. And this is amazing to me because this helps us understand that there are requirements for God to hear our prayers. There are requirements. You know, we think sometimes we think we can just pray in any way, at any time, in any form, with anything that's going on in our heart, uh, with, with, with attitude and sin and issues and all things, and we can just throw up a prayer and God will answer it. And God says, no, no, no. According to this Scripture, there are four things that need to happen before I'll hear your prayer. That's an eye-opener, isn't it? In fact, tonight at the 5 p.m., I, I wanna start a message that's gonna take a couple of weeks, but I, I actually wanna talk about requirements to answered prayer. Requirements to answer prayer. How many of you have ever prayed and never seen the answer? Give me a wave. Come on now. Many of us, many of us. And, and part of the reason is perhaps some of the basics are not in place that we need to put in place. But I wanna talk about that. God wants to answer our prayers, but we gotta do it the right way. Number two, He says, not only will I hear your prayers, but I'll forgive your sins. I'll forgive your sins. Now, you know, you and I, we both know this. We are already forgiven. If you're a born again believer, if you said yes to Jesus, our sins are forgiven, past, present and future. But you gotta remember, this was written to the children of Israel. It was written to a group of people that after King Solomon, uh, the, the leadership of the nation just went from bad to worse. Uh, there was the odd king that rose as a good king, but on the whole, it's a pretty depressing kind of period of time because it just says this king was worse than the last one. And this king was worse than the last one. And then there's one guy, I think it's King Omri, something like that. He says, and this king was worse than all of them. Like what a title. And, 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 and so the history of Israel is like not great after King David and then Solomon. And so God speaking to this, this group of people, knowing that they're about to go into a season where they're gonna turn from Him, they're gonna worship other gods, they're gonna put up temples, they're gonna do all sorts of horrendous things. And God says this, knowing what is about to come, He says, if you'll do these four things, I'll hear your prayer and I'll forgive you of your sin. Come on, how gracious is our God. We serve a loving, forgiving God. He says, if you do these things, I'll, I'll forgive you. And then the third thing he says, which I think is amazing, and it is gonna take up a significant part of my praying over the next 21 days. God says, if you do these four things, then number three, I will heal your land. Everybody say, heal my land. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, heal our land. Say, heal our land, Lord. Man, we, our, our land needs healing, does it not? We, the lands of the earth need healing. And I think this land can mean your own life. I, I, I think God wants to heal the lands of our own life. I think He wants to heal our families. I think He wants to heal the communities we live in. But I believe that God, above everything else, wants to heal the lands. He wants to heal the lands. And what a promise, if we'll do these four things, God says, I'll do it. That's good. God says, I'll do it, I'll heal. Man, I'm like, I'm thinking, come on, God. You, you'll do it, you'll actually heal our land. Can you imagine what a healed United Kingdom might look like? Come on now, can you imagine what, what an atmosphere change of the healing of God might look like? 
Could you imagine if God turned up and healed our land in such a way that the leaders of our nations, uh, you know, I'm not trying to bag anyone out here, but it no longer was self-serving, but were there to serve the needs of the people with a godly agenda? Can you imagine where God healed the media and social media and the toxic culture that's coming against our young people to challenge them and confuse them in their gender and their identity? And can you imagine if, they were, if we were healed from that? Wouldn't that be amazing? Can you imagine a nation with no fear and no anxiety and no suicide? Wouldn't that be incredible? That'd be amazing. And God says, if you'll do these things, I'll heal your land. Man, I'm praying it. I'm saying, God, you said it. (laughs) You said it. You've given me vision for it. (laughs) I can see it, Lord. I can see some changes. Now, I want you to notice this is not the prayer of an individual. This is the prayer of a group of people. If my people, not my person... Mark Collard can't pray alone and make this happen. This is, this is the prayer of a corporate group of people coming together and praise God across our nation right now and the nations of the world, as Monica said, there are hundreds, if not thousands of churches that are praying and fasting for God to do something amazing. And I believe God's gonna hear those prayers. He's gonna forgive our sins and praise God, He's gonna heal our land. Can I get an amen this morning? So, so, we, so three things. Uh, now, there are four things that we've got to do to get the three things. So let me talk you through the four requirements. Are you ready? The four requirements, God says this. Number one, if my people who were called by my name would do what? Number one, if they would humble themselves. Humble themselves. The first requirement to God healing our land is humility. Is humility. Talk about humility for a moment. How many of you know it's, it's better to humble yourself than have God humble you? <laughs> it's, better to, it's better to take some time to humble yourself than be humiliated by somebody else. God, God says, you gotta humble yourself. Now here's what it says in 1 Peter 5 verse 5. It's a powerful scripture. It says, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. I have this image in my mind when I read that scripture. And the image I have is of a person, maybe myself, um, trying my best to make progress in life, giving it all that I've got, trying everything that I know how to do, throwing everything at it. But there opposing me is just God's hand. It's like a terrifying picture. Like I'm giving it everything I have. I'm, I'm doing everything I know to have. But if there's pride in my heart, rather than a humble spirit, God just says, I'll oppose you. You can try all day long. You can give it, you can give, you give it another 100% energy. You can throw more money at it. You can go one more time, but nothing is gonna happen. How many of you know if God opposes you, you're in a bad way? <laughs> if, God, if God says no, it's not gonna happen. Let me put it like that. Like, but, but conversely, the Bible says, but those who are humble, God gives His grace to. What's His grace? His grace is His empowering presence that enables us to do what we could never do by ourselves. So one picture is God holding you off and the other picture is God coming behind you and empowering you to succeed. And if we want God to heal our land, He's looking for people with a humble heart, 
He's looking for people who have humility of heart um, because that's what he's looking for. Now, if you just turn your attention to the screen, I stole these off Chris Vallotton's website. Uh, so I didn't come up with these myself, but you might wanna screenshot these and um, you might wanna, uh, in, in your devotions, uh, ask yourself the question, am I humble? Turn to your neighbour for a moment and just say, are you humble? I'm looking forward to meeting Moses one day, the most humble man who ever lived, written by his own pen. And it says... It says this. Anyway, 15 attributes of humility. Let's just look real quickly. Number one, humble people actually pray. <laughs> if you're a Christian and you don't pray, that statement is true. Prayerlessness is the ultimate arrogance because you think you don't need God. When we don't pray, that is incredibly arrogant because we're saying, God, I don't need you. I can do it all by myself. It's like that statement, I'm a self-made man. Really? Really, you did it all by yourself? I don't think so. But you actually pray, prayerlessness is the ultimate arrogance. You're humble if you're able to be influenced. You're humble if you can be corrected without defending yourself. How many of you know that's challenging? You can be corrected without needing to defend yourself. And you're humble when you rejoice when others are celebrated. You're humble when there's no job too small for you. Number six, you're humble when you don't always have to be right. You're humble when you naturally seek advice from other people. If all you ever do is come up with the ideas by yourself, you don't ever go to anyone else, you never invite anyone else's counsel in, you're not humble. You're humble when you're teachable. Once we stop learning, we stop dying. You're humble when you admit your flaws, mistakes and failures. You're humble when you live to help others succeed. That's challenging, isn't it? We wanna we want succeed first, but that's not the right way. We're humble when you're not easily offended. If you're the type of person that gets offended every other day, pride is an issue in your life. You're humble if you have a thankful attitude and thankfulness will inoculate you from arrogance. You're thankful when you don't live with a sense of entitlement. You don't feel like anyone owes you a living. You're humble when you're quick to forgive and you don't hold grudges. You're confident, you're humble when you're confident in who you are and you're content in who you're not. Some time needed <laughs> to sit and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Am I, am I humble in all those areas? And we gotta get humble because if we're proud, God's simply gonna oppose us but, but if we're gonna see our land healed, whether it's personally, whether it's our church, whether it's our nation, man, man the way to go higher, we all know is to go lower. And we gotta to learn to die to ourselves so we can be humble, amen? Here's the second thing though, the requirement to see our land healed is this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and number two, pray. Everybody say pray. It's like, it seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? But, but prayer is not always obvious. Sometimes prayer is the last thing we do because our lives are so busy and, and, and it gets filled up. But prayer needs to be a core part of our lives if we are to see our lives healed and our land healed. So I think there's different types of prayer. Number one, I think there's personal prayer. There's personal prayer. And I, and I reckon, I'm gonna hazard a guess, that everyone in this room at some point prays personally. 
Everyone, at some point, like, God, help me. God, would you be with me? God, would you guide me? You know, personal prayer, good prayers. Prayers where you're asking God into your life. Most of us do that. If, if nothing else, at our greatest point of need, most of us will pray a personal prayer like that. And I wanna encourage you over these next 21 days, create a habit of personal prayer. Create a habit. I don't know how it works for you. For me, I like taking the dog for a walk and that's when I pray. Sometimes I like last thing at night, going out for a short walk and that's when I pray. I'm not very good sat down praying. I'm definitely not good lying down praying. And I'm gonna hesitate to guess that most of us are not. But whatever works for you. Some people, their Bible open with a cup of coffee, that's how they pray. It really doesn't matter, but create a habit of personal prayer. Maybe it's on the way to work. Sometimes I get in my car and I say from here until I get there, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna spend the next 15 minutes, I'm gonna pray. And part of our praying really has to be praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost is one of the greatest things that we can do on a day-to-day basis. The Bible says it will edify us, it will build us up, and it will release unknown mysteries to us that God later often will interpret and give to us. So for me, personal prayer, really important. Number two, family prayer. Family prayer, if you're in a family here, I wanna encourage you, have prayer as part of your family. Teach your kids how to pray. This is a great opportunity, 21 days to teach our children. Here's how we pray. In our house, we pray before they go to bed. Uh, We pray before we have our dinner. We pray at the start of a new year. We pray on birthdays. We pray at milestones. We pray when one of us is not doing well and we need to encourage the other one. But prayer has got to be part of your home life and your home routine. I I really want to encourage you to do that. If you're married here today, pray together. (laughs) Amen. Say it again. If you're married, pray together. I know it's not always easy. I I know that sometimes it's awkward and clunky. And um, I remember once when I got married, somebody said to me, so like, how long do you pray with Monica for every day? Is it like 30 minutes? And I felt like this condemnation come all over me because it was, I, I reckon Monica and I pray together two, three times a week and it's usually short. It's usually five minutes tops. And it's normally when one of us is, in, is struggling or feeling something or, or wrestling with something or go, and it doesn't need to be long, but five minutes together regularly is far better than an hour once a year. And if you're not married, that's what connect groups are for. Find a great person who you can pray with because something happens when we pray together, amen? Something happens. So we gotta have uh, prayer in our homes. But thirdly, uh, when it comes to prayer, and this is, I, I, I feel like I need to bring a correction here to us, is I feel like we've dropped the ball and I take responsibility for it um, because COVID messed us up, but we are gonna readdress it this year, is corporate prayer needs to be part of every one of our lives. We've got to pray together. Prayer is not just personal. Prayer is not just in a family. Prayer is between a group of believers. And when Monica led us in prayer this morning, I don't know how, what you felt, but I felt the gates of hell rattle. 
I felt as we prayed as a church, I lifted up friends of mine that I've been praying for personally, but I feel like something happened in that 30 second prayer that has not happened in my personal prayer. Something happens in the place of corporate prayer when we join our faith together that the enemy hates, that's why he discourages us from it, but we need it. It's how we will shake what the enemy's doing, amen? Amen, give God praise this morning. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says this, as the early church was starting to be formed, it says this, all the believers devoted themselves. Now, let me just say this, it says all, everybody say all. It does not say the pastors, the apostles, the prophets, the connect group leaders, the hosting team leaders, the kids, it doesn't say that, it says all of them, men, women, children, all of them did what? They devoted themselves. Everyone say devoted. Hopelessly devoted. They devoted themselves. When you're devoted to something, you give it time, you give it energy, you give it money, you sacrifice to make it happen, you scheme how you can make it happen. When you're devoted to something, man, your mind works to try and figure this thing out, does it not? Some of you are devoted to a number of different things. But the Bible says here they were devoted. Now watch this, they were devoted to number one, the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Number two, they were devoted to fellowship or just being together, developing healthy relationships within church. Can I just say that church is not meant to be a group of people where we gather and we go home. Church is meant to be a place where we develop healthy relationships because we need one another. They devoted themselves to it. Not only that, they devoted themselves to sharing in meals. They ate together. And watch this. And it includes the Lord's Supper or communion. They devoted them to it. This year, if you've never taken communion at home, I wanna encourage you and hopefully inspire you to make taking communion, not just something that you do once every six weeks or so at church, but it becomes part of your life. It becomes part of your life. I've had a, a, a kind of a dodgy back for about a week and a half. And um, I think I was like, I was deadlifting like 250 kilos. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's what happened. And then, and then I was like, I, was, I don't know, 150, I think. I watched World's Greatest Man, Strongest Man, and I thought I can do it. And so... Um, like the first five were okay, but it was like the sixth one. And um, I'm just kidding. And um, I don't know what I did. I tweaked my back and, uh, and it's been painful. And one of the things I go to in our household is when we get sick is we take communion. It's not the last thing we do. It's one of the first things we do. And uh, Monica and I will gather together and we'll just take communion together because communion is a reminder of the finished work of Jesus, which includes our complete healing. Whenever we're under emotional pressure, we take communion because Jesus' finished work was to deal with all our anxiety and fear and worry and despair. So whatever Jesus has paid for, we remind ourselves in that moment and the Bible tells us, you know, we're to do it. These guys were devoted to doing it. They were devoted to do it. If you, you don't need to, you can, I've said this before, you can do it in your home by yourself. Sometimes it's almost better by yourself because you can just sit and enjoy God's presence for as long as you want but they were devoted 
to doing these things. And we all know what happened to that church. It exploded and changed the world. And what I noticed the last thing that they were devoted to. So they were devoted to apostles teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. And I wanna say, praise God, when, when, when Equipus Church gathers together for prayer, if you have never been to an Equipus Church prayer gathering, I mean, I've, I've grown up and sat through some boring prayer meetings in my time. I've been in prayer meetings where I fell asleep. I've been in prayer meetings where, our prayer meetings are not like that. Our prayer meetings are full of worship, full of praise, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the anointing of God, full of an atmosphere of His presence and something happens in that moment. Amen. Something changes and something happens. Just this Tuesday morning, uh, uh, first 8 a.m. prayer meeting of the year and uh, we're gathering and it's early and I had to get out of bed a little earlier than I had for the last couple of weeks or so and, and, and get there and it's cold and you drag yourself in. But no word of a lie, I have never been to a prayer meeting in this church, but by the time I left, I didn't feel considerably better than the moment I walked in because I knew in that 45 minutes, something had changed. We had done some good work. We had rattled the gates of hell. Some people had got free. We prayed for marriages. We prayed for all sorts of stuff. And we got to do that. We got to do what these guys did. We got to be devoted to prayer. And so if you say, man, I just pray at home and that's all I need. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're standing on one leg. God wants to strengthen both of your legs. And, and, and when we pray, listen, when we pray for others, how many of you know God is gonna take care of us? When you pray for others, God is gonna take care of you. So I wanna encourage you, I wanna invite you to come this year and say prayer, corporate prayer, not just personal prayer, is gonna be a key part of my life this year. And you come back and tell me in 12 months if your life hasn't changed, if you haven't seen breakthroughs in your life, you haven't seen God do something amazing and you don't feel encouraged in your faith, I guarantee you will. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Here's the third thing they had to do. Uh, three, th four things they had to do. Humble themselves, pray. And the third one is this, they had to seek His face. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face. Seek His face. You know, to seek God's face, I really believe is more than a, a 30, 40 minute prayer meeting. To seek His face is, 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 is more than a, a five minute prayer walk. To, to seek His face is more than just, we throw out a prayer and then we move on to the next thing in our lives. To seek His face is to say, I am so determined to hear what God has to say for me this year that I'm gonna apply myself with all that I've got and I am not gonna give up in praying until I've heard from God and I know the answer is on the way. And for every one of you, I pray it's all of us, but for every one of us engaging in 21 days of prayer and fasting, I wanna say, come on, that is awesome because together we are seeking God's face. When, when, when we say no to something we love so that we can spend time with our Saviour, we're seeking His face. When we give up food that we love and our bellies rumble, but it causes us to go to God, we're seeking His face. We've got to seek God this year. Come on, how many of you are up for seeking God? I've been a Christian a long time, but I tell you what, I feel more hungry to seek God and His ways than I have ever done in my whole life. 
I start my day with a prayer. I prayed every day. I've prayed it for about a year and a half. It's the prayer Dr. Michael Maiden shared. Number one, I pray this. I pray, I pray that God will give me a spirit of wisdom. The wisdom of Jesus. I prayed every day. I said, God, I need your wisdom. I drive to work. I say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom to lead these meetings. I need your wisdom to lead these people. I need your wisdom to lead this church. I I need your wisdom. God, I need your wisdom for my home. I need your wisdom on how to be a great dad. I need your wisdom how to take care of my finances. I need your wisdom to, to know when to stop at 180 kg deadlift instead of going for 200 kg deadlift. I, 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 need, I need your wisdom, God, in every part of my life. I pray every single day. And the second prayer I pray is this. I, I, I pray for a spirit of revelation. Every single day I say, God, I only know what I know and it's not that much. I need your revelation. I, I need you to reveal to me more of you, more of you, more of what you're about, more of your agenda, more of what's on the table, more of what's possible, more of your heart for our nation, more of your heart for our church. I need, I need revelation. I need, I need to read your Word, God, and it cannot be a religious reading. I've got to hear from you. What are you saying to me? What do you want to do? What do you want us to do? How, where do you want us to go? And in that, there's a desire to say, God, I, I refuse to settle for nothing less than fresh manna, fresh revelation from You this day, Lord. And when we seek His face, the Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, if we seek Him, we will find Him. How good is that? 21 days of prayer and fasting, let me just declare over your life this morning, if you seek Him, you're gonna find Him, the Bible says. Woo! If you seek Him, you're gonna find Him. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's not locked Himself in a cupboard. He's not playing hide and seek with you. He says, if you'll seek Me with all your heart, not just a two second throwaway prayer, not just a tube stop ride read of your Bible, but a seeking Him with all that you have, a fasting, a pressing in, a praying, a devotion to Him. God says, if you'll seek Me like that, not only will you find Me, but Jeremiah says, He will show us things of about Him that we do not know. That's me. <laughs> I'll be honest, that's me. That's me. I'm like, God, I, 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 need an, I wanna know new things about You that I do not know. I only know what I know and it's not enough. Because the more God reveals of Himself, the more amazing He is. The more He changes our lives, the more He moves, amen. And here's the fourth and final thing. These are not the points of a message. These are the requirements for God to come and heal our land, amen? (laughs) Number four, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face. And finally, he says this, and turn from your wicked ways. I'll heal your prayer, I'll heal... I'll forgive your sins and I'll heal your land. Number four is, is to turn from our wicked ways. And that's a pretty strong statement on a Sunday morning. Uh, you've got to turn from your wicked ways. Here's, here's what I think the Bible is saying. I think it's saying sometimes we need to sit and reflect uh, on the condition of our heart and say, God, is there anything going on on the inside that is stopping me from coming to You? And I think the scary thought about this is the Bible says you could humble yourself, you could pray, you could seek His face. But if your heart is filled with bitterness and unforgiveness and anger 
and fr- all those things. The Bible says that you've got to do all of these things for God to show up and heal our land. And sometimes we're not getting answers to prayer because our heart is in a condition that needs some work done. I told you just a minute ago, I've had a bad back and um, it's, it's, praise God, it's getting better and it will be completely fine. But it's just taken time and um, slower than I would like to have gone. And uh, in the middle of this week, um, it just got worse one day. It got worse and I was so frustrated. I said to God, God, what is going on? I don't understand. I'm doing everything that I know how to do. We've taken communion. I know what Your Word says. I've confessed it over my life. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. Jesus has paid the price. It's already done. I know Your will is to heal me. I, but, what, but I don't understand. I'm getting, why has this got worse and not got better? And as I lay in my bed, as you do with a bad back, as I lay there, um, I just had this thought come to my mind about someone in my life who had recently um, said some things that I find difficult. And I realised in that moment that I had actually created a little bit of unforgiveness in my heart. (laughs) And I felt the Holy Spirit just say, you need to forgive that person. And I was taken back for a moment because I thought, I love this person, but I thought really, um, there's no one in this room, by the way, just in case you're wondering. And, um, And I just, I love this person, but they had said some things and done some things and operated in some ways that I had found hard. And what I'd done was just start to create a callous in my heart. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just say, you need to, you need to forgive that person. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, the best thing you can do is agree as quickly as you possibly can. <laughs> And so I said, okay, I forgive that person. I forgive them. And, and when you forgive a person, I don't, I don't know whether it's enough or not, but to say I forgive them, but I just started to bless them. And I just said, I just bless them right now. God, I bless their lives. I bless their bodies. I bless their marriage. I bless their home. I bless the season of life they're in. I bless them right now. Lord, I release by faith Your blessing upon their lives. I love them. I thank You for them. I forgive them. I bless them. And I did that and I got up out of my bed and um, Monica was away that day and I texted her a little bit later in the day and just said, my back is so, so, so much better than it was this morning. I can't prove to you that one led to the other, but I do know that sometimes we are holding off the answers to the prayers that God has for us because the condition of our heart is not right. And I wonder just right now, before we stand and we worship, right now you might wanna bow your head, you might wanna close your eyes, but to right now simply say, God, is, is there anything in my life I need to repent of? Is there anything in my life I need to say sorry for? Is there anger in our hearts? Is there unforgiveness in our lives? Is there a sin in our lives that we maybe even celebrate in our brazenness that is holding off the breakthroughs that God has for us? Could even be apathy this morning. You were once passionate for God and you didn't feed that fire and you find yourself just heart cold. You wonder why God's not answering your prayers.
this morning you would just say, God, I'm sorry. And can I encourage you right now, if God is just revealing something to your heart, be specific. Be specific, nail that issue. I had to nail that issue. I had to say, God, over this person's life, my unforgiveness, I am sorry. I forgive them right now. So Holy Spirit, I just pray over this wonderful group of people this morning. God, if there's anything in our hearts, anything in our lives, at the start of a period of prayer and fasting, we come before You right now. And we say, Lord, we wanna turn from our wicked ways. hearts have become infected we say sorry maybe right now you just sense in your heart God wants to deal with pride just confess it God I've been prideful my opinion has been too important. I'm unteachable. Nobody can correct me. This morning I give that to you. and share it with a friend.